You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All I know is pain. Once again on a Monday, it's nothing but pain. Crunch time on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. At least the two of them won. Matt Miguez here on this Monday afternoon. The weather's the weather's nice. We're getting that cool front in this week. Noticed it a little bit today. Temperatures didn't touch 90 until like 2 o'clock, so that's always a, a positive. My producer, my co-host, and pretty good friend, Mr. James Mesh. Bring him in now. James, what's up, bud? How you doing, Matt? Um, I'm not well. Life I, is pain! I, yes. Great, great call there. Um, I, uh, Again with the Saints. It was uh, overall bad. You can't you can't put the loss on one individual person. So you see, this is why I absolutely despised when the schedule came out and we opened the season with the three straight divisional opponents back to back to back. Despise I didn't I didn't, that. I wasn't the biggest fan of it either because if you know the Saints history and you follow them, you start slow. You know that September is never a good month for New Orleans. And now you're behind the eight ball for the rest of the year because you're one and two in the division. You're tied for last in the division with the team that beat you yesterday. That is not a great place to be. It's not. You lost 22 to 14 yesterday to Carolina, and oh, you ready for this? All 14 of your points came in the fourth quarter. I don't understand why the Saints, for three quarters, play like a Division Four college say, program. I was going to say, be careful with what you say. But then in the fourth quarter, or or even even better, in, in the last, you know, ten minutes, say, hey guys, you know, we're losing. We're down thirteen nothing. And then at one point nineteen to seven, and then twenty two to seven. Hey, let's play some football. Why? Why? And then here here here's here's another question that I have. Mark Ingram scores a touchdown. That that first drive of the fourth quarter was beauty. Pure beauty. 10 plays, 89 yards. Jameis goes 7 for 7. You put it in the end zone. It's the 13 to 7 game. You've played like absolute crap for 3 quarters, but somehow you're still in it. And then what happens? And then the defense the, the, gets the, lazy on defense. The ghost and has a terrible passing. The ghost of Christmas tackling. never that is LaVisca Chenault Jr. 
goes 67 yards for a touchdown. It, it's painful. It's painful. And James, James put it perfectly. Nothing. No one was good. No one. I I challenge a o- listener. Olave was good. Okay. You're okay. There you go. I was go. gonna say Olave was there you really go. good. I'll I'll stop my statement right there. I was about to say I challenge somebody to come tell me one Saints player that was good. I'll give you Chris Olave. He had a great game. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. T make me feel better. Okay. Well, I saw this Saints uh station girl. She was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean awesome. <laughs> yes, man. She was great, bro. Best performance so, yet. As far as for the game, I know Foot's gonna get mad at me, but they're garbage. Oh, they're bad. They're so bad. Their coaching staff, their everything is bad right now. Oh, it's 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 horrible. Whatever whatever good thing that they do, they just shoot themselves in the foot right before they can do anything with it. Exactly. Now about uh, well the Cajuns, I'm always pulling for them <laughs> until they play LSU. <laughs> then that's it. But uh, they didn't play well either. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna go to my Tigers. There it is. You know what? I'm I'm satisfied with the growth. And the, the getting better every game, I know they didn't play anybody, but still, you know, you can tell there's some continuity to their, you know, defense and line and everything else. You agree? Yeah, I, absolutely. They're, they're getting better each and every week. And, you know, having these two games against Southern and New Mexico early on in the season, I mean, that that's exactly what you did it for. You know, you wanted to get some continuity, and you know those are great games to iron out your issues. And I, I think they've got things clicking going into SEC play. Cool deal. Hey, love the show. Keep up the good work, bud. Appreciate you as always, T. Man, so T T made me feel a little bit better with with, with the sensations comment. That that helped. But here's the thing, I, I'm I'm just I'm going back and. You know, reading how the game went down. Look, the the forty four yard scoop and score, the the Panthers' first touchdown. Look, you can get mad at Kamara. It was a great play by the defense. It, it just it, it was. It, it was a great play by the defense. Kamara could have protected the ball a little bit better, but the guy just ripped it out of his hands and ran it back for a touchdown. Nah, that's gonna happen. Let's go back to the hotline. Martin, what's up? Hey, I heard you were kind of down in the dump this, this afternoon, bruh. Yeah, I'm not having a good day. Uh, well, I'm going to make you feel better. At least you're not the Dallas Cowboys. Huh? Well, huh? They haven't played yet, so I might want to be the but, Dallas Cowboys. If you want to see a comedy act, you don't, have to watch the, you don't have to watch Comedy Central. Just watch the Cowboys play. Uh-uh. And I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm telling you that. Or you can just wait until we make the playoffs, if we make the playoffs, and then that'll be a, a real good act better than Chris than Chris Rock or uh, Kevin Hart. Because, oh man, they're losing the dumbest ways, like always, you know? I mean, that's a comedy act right there. But, yeah, man, um, 
I don't think, I mean, I'm not a Saints fan or nothing. You know that. But I don't think Dennis Allen's the answer, and I do not think Jameis Winston's the answer. And I, I will admit, I did give that man a little praise at the beginning of the season, before the season was started. Now, what has he done in return? He made me look stupid. You know, I mean, I'm not going to put it all on Jameis Winston, but I got to bring up a point I heard on RP3 on one of his guests this morning on his show. It was um, the the Graffia guy. I can't mm-hmm. remember his first name. Logan. He said he brought up how they practice. How if and he said if you practice soft, you're gonna play soft, and that's exactly what's happening right now. Yep. You know. But uh, but man, I know y'all had high hopes and everything. Now y'all down three receivers. But uh, good news. Uh, I heard Amazon is running a special deal. Get buy one receiver, get two free. <laughs> oh, we're not but, down. Uh, we're not down any receivers. Both Jarvis and Mike are going to play in London. Okay, but uh, keep your head up. Maybe things will get better, but I doubt it. I don't want to lie to you. You know, it's not looking too good for you, Saints. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the chicken finds the egg every once in a while. I mean, but anyway, thanks for taking my call, buddy, and we them girls. Appreciate you, Martin. So, he, here's what what bugs me about the Saints game. Carolina scored 22 points. Carolina scored 22 points. Out of the 22 points, only six of them came from the offense. Only six of them. You had seven from your defense and, well, six technically, and ten from your kicker. You still could have won the game. You outgained them in total yardage. Let's go back to the hotline. Ralph, what's up, bud? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. For a 62-year-old guy with heart disease, being a Saints fan is not... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to need to find a new team, health. Ralph. This is not good, man. Um, <laughs> look, you know, I know, it's, I know it's a small sample size. I know it's three games. But you're starting to see some trends now and that this is a, a very, I'm going to just say, poorly coached team overall because of, of the penalties, the, the, the stupid penalties, the, the miscues, the fumble snaps. Um, the turnovers, you know, we, we are just on a pace for records. Get the, the the sacks, you know. I mean, we're just not making adjustments. And I know, I know, it's not all on the offensive line. I get that. Jameis holds on to the ball too long. Uh, doesn't find the check down. I get all the little nuances that are going on. But but overall, man, this is. And look, you know, I've been very disappointed so far with with Tyron Matthews' play. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, he he just hasn't been the same he's guy that I remember. Um, you know, he's whiffed on a couple of big tackles uh, re- recently. And But if you're a defensive player on that team, you've got to be saying, what the heck? You know, we, for overall, like you said, you know, they're, they're not – it's not like they're giving up a, a boatload of points every game, but the offense – No, no, the, the, defense, played, the defense gave up six points yesterday. Yeah, and with Tampa Bay, that just kind of got out of hand after the fight. I mean, it's just a, a couple big plays. But before that, we had had them stifled. Yep. Um, 
you know, and and even Atlanta. I mean, you know, granted we should, you know, but but still, uh, that's not the problem. Now the pass rush is lacking. That's 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 a little bit of a problem. We, we're going to have to take some chances with some blitzes because the what we're doing is not. And, and you know, it's not like we're playing world class quarterbacks. That's you know why not blitz a Baker Mayfield? You know, Jesus, right. it's, it's not like you know Brady back there. Um, uh, and I could understand the Mariota and the Brady part, but. But but Baker Mayfield was terrible. I mean, he he you talk about a bad quarterback. That's a bad quarterback. He's worried, you know, man. But man, overall, Matt, I'm just I'm just really concerned because I think it's pretty obvious now that I know he might have called one or two games in Sean's absence, but Pete Carmichael is oh, it, really it's, predictable. It, it's it's really bad, and, and I think the it, biggest part of it is you know Pete's never been the offensive coordinator and and keep in mind this offseason he didn't want the offensive coordinator position exactly cuz i think he, i think in the back of his mind that that dude had the cushiest job in football for i don't know how many years just right. standing there you know while Sean Payton called all the plays you know and um uh but it's amazing how they they just they're so predicted. They ran on second and ten six times yesterday. You know, incomplete for, on the first down and, and second and ten. They run the ball six yep. times. That's, that's not going to get done in the NFL. That's horrible play calling. That's horrible play calling. It, it, it is. It is abysmal. You know, and that's what concerns me. There's no adjustments being made. Uh, you know, even on the on the blitz pickups. You know, it's obvious now. Look, the formula's out there, and, and I'm an old time Saints fan. Man, we had it going back in the day. I don't remember was what year it was, but we were like six and zero or whatever. And there was a team, and I, I don't have Kevin Foote's memory, but anyway, they they ended up beating us, and they did some things on defense that no no team had done before against us. This is before Drew Brees. This is back when we were you know still pretty good uh, with um, I think it was Aaron Brooks, but I'm not positive. But anyway, um, when the formula's set and other teams see it, you're going to see blitz, 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 mm-hmm. blitz, blitz, and until we can play call to 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 beat that blitz, and and it's not always trying to hit the sixty yard bomb. You know, it, it, where's the screen game? You know, uh, this is why. Thank, thankfully, I'm, I'm not in fantasy leagues because I'd be going crazy because I would have picked all the Saints players. You know, but Alvin Kamara should be. You know, I thought Nick Underhill had. Oh, it's, the running game's not the problem. He averaged 4.1 yards a carry. You take out the 27-yarder, he had 14 rushes for 34 yards, okay? Yeah. So that's 2-point-whatever yards a carry. They're running him between the tackles. That's, it's, that's stupid. I mean, I, he, he, that's not his game. Uh, oh, man, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so I'm still frustrated right now. No, I'm with it, you. I'm with you. You know, man. All right. If, if I had some hair, I'd go spend fifty dollars to get it cut to make myself feel better. But <laughs> I'm bald headed, so Appreciate I guess you, I'll Ralph. just go try to drink my misery away. <laughs> but man, you know, this, it's, if it does, and, and you know, again, I don't know how we look. You know, you know what? I'm at the point even where next season. You know, we've always adopted this, or are we here, you know, well, it's preseason. You don't want to get your starters hurt. I think it's showing that we didn't play hardly at all as a unit in preseason, you know, and 
and and get and look, we're getting hurt in practice. So what the heck? Yep. If we get hurt in preseason game, well, I yep. mean, I want to say Taylor hurts his knee, and you know, in pra- if we have soft practices, my goodness, how did he hurt his knee? You know, I I, I, don't, I just don't get it. I mean, how can we have the same bad luck every year? So, whoever has the voodoo doll out there, please take the pins out because this is <laughs> I can't take it anymore. I got you. Appreciate you, Ralph. Thank you for letting me vent, man. I appreciate it. That's what today's show is for. That's why we call it Event Session Monday. But no, so here's the thing. I was going to say there's a lot to unpack with that. There's a ton to unpack. Here's here's the thing. The Saints outgained Carolina and had more first downs than Carolina. The, the things that really stick out to me right now is we have a quarterback that can't pick up a blitz. We have a quarterback that can't call an audible. And we have an offensive line that can't protect him to save their lives. Let's go back to the hotline. Jay, what's up? Shot total. I think he had a good game. Yeah, that I mean, the, I, I thought the defense as a, as a whole was okay. So I mean, yeah, I mean that's fair. Pete Warner still did. Pete, good. Man, that, Pete that, Warner that had a good a play, game, man. That was a play. That was a play on the third down, and this is what this is what you know. Like you said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the type to put it on a player. I'm not the type to put. I'm more team oriented. I know, I know the, the most popular thing to do is is to blame Jameis Winston. You know, I, I already see some of the mentality. I already heard someone earlier say. Oh, it's Aaron Brooks uh, 2.0, you know, something similar. So I understand the, the sediments out there, and it's just, it's just how it's going to it's just how it's gonna be. And, I, you know, I understand whatever. But that was a play, man. That was a third down play with Carolina, which, which, which bothers me is let's bring the heat. Where's that heat on the third down? Let, let, let's bring that pressure on third down. Baker Mayfield, they, they kind of they got some impression of him. He was able to get away, and he – nice little pass, nice completion just to keep a job going. It's a little backbreaking things, like you said, PJ Williams. Like, but you know, it, it happens. I'm not going to blame this on the defense. Uh, Jameis, man, Jameis. They blitz Jameis on a play, and just a little touch would have been a nice touchdown to Kamara. Kamara got out. I think on that same drop, I'm not mistaken. I think Kamara um, dropped a pass, man. Like dropped a, a mm-hmm. key crucial third down uh, with the addition to the fumble. Um, Joe Horn's son made a good play. Like, like I said, man, on the uh, pink, uh, defensive lineman, a D lineman, man. It's, you know, the Saints can't get any of the breaks. Um, special teams. Is, I, I, to me, I don't want to hear anything about the back for the simple fact that some of those spirals look real nice out there. Some of those throws, man. It's, uh, I don't know. And when they did get in the rhythm, they have a, a penalty. Like that penalty they call on Mark Ingram, a chop block. Like, I just think we just had to look at it as a whole, and I understand what's up. I don't, I don't get caught up in being, them being one and two, you know. But at the same time, though, you know, it is time to to get going, and um, I'm not, I'm not too uh, enthused about this game in London. All right, thank y'all. Appreciate you, Jay. Yeah, I mean, you look at the defense. The defense was 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 honestly pretty solid. You sacked Baker Mayfield three times. I'd like to see them get more pressure on Baker. Um, but I mean, you 
you got you got to him three times. The the thing uh, again, the the biggest issues to me are are on the offensive side of the football. You've got bad play calling by Pete Carmichael. And then again, you got a quarterback who yeah, you know, when he threw the ball yesterday, it looked good. Like you said, tight spirals, good balls, you know, so on and so forth. You got a quarterback that's still hesitating. You've got a quarterback that can't identify a blitz. He has moments where you're like, wow, why don't I see this more often? And then you watch the whole game and you're like, okay, well, he doesn't know how to audible. He he doesn't know how to pick up the blitz. He doesn't know where the blitz is I coming mean, from. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not a football genius. I understand the game. I understand basic concepts, but I don't know all the schemes. I was never a football coach. I don't know the schemes and you know all these different in-depth concepts and crap like that. I'm sitting there watching the game yesterday from the broadcast angle on the pick play where J.C. Horn bats it in the air. Yeah, where he comes free rushing. Dude, I could have told you 10 seconds before he snapped the ball that they were blitzing from both sides. How do you not pick that up? They often brought at least six and they only had six to block at some points. Like now, there, were, there were plenty of times where they sent seven, and they only had Mark Ingram as the sixth blocker. Now, I'm going to prop Kamara on that play because he did a great job of picking up the blitz from the right side. But that ball should have never been snapped with, without some sort of protection for J.C. Horn coming from the left. You can't tell... Because I, I blame that on two people. I blame that on Jameis Winston... And I blame that on Eric McCoy. Because as a center, you have to be able to pick that up too. It's bad. The Saints have a lot of issues to work on, and we're going to vent about it a lot more in our number two. We'll take a timeout right here. And when we return, we get to vent about the Cajuns. We'll do that next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Week three of the NFL season wraps up tonight with Monday Night Football as the Dallas Cowboys take on the Giants. Pre-game begins at 7 and kickoff is set for 7.30. Listen to all the exciting action right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt guys, James Mesh, 27 after the hour. Looking at the Cajuns game now as they fell to ULM 21-17. to Cajuns fall to 2-2 two two on the year and 0-1 and in the Sun Belt. This is the first Cajuns loss in the Sun Belt West since 2017. Billy Napier never lost a division game in his time in Lafayette. Now, that's not I'm I'm not comparing Billy Napier and Michael Desermo because that would be a, a full-hearted move. But I am going to say this. If you have the ball for five and a half minutes more than the than the opposition, and you get more first downs than the opposition, you probably shouldn't lose. And you can sit there and go, well, Matt, you know, ULM got 65 more yards than the Cajuns. You're right. They did. However, um, 163 of that came on two plays, including a 75-yard touchdown run 
where you had completely busted coverage. At the end of the day, the Cajuns have way more issues on the offensive side of the football than anybody anticipated. Chandler Fields, not off to a great start. Ben Woolridge, not off to a great start. You put both of them together, they're not off to a great start. The two-quarterback system is bad. That's got to go. Got to pick one. Again, neither one of them have been very good, but you got to pick one. Have to. The more that you switch them out, I mean, you look at it, you had back-to-back drives where the Cajuns put points on the board. wasn't exactly back-to-back drives, but, I mean, the last drive of the first quarter, and then I'm pretty sure it was your first drive of the second quarter. You had points. Actually, I take that back. It was the first two drives of the game. You you get Chandler Fields to score on a nine-yard touchdown run to go up 7-0. Obviously, ULM has a 75-yard touchdown run to tie the game. But then you come right back, and Chandler throws a dime to Michael Jefferson for a 50-yard touchdown. So then it's 14-7. You have momentum. Ben Woolridge comes in. You go three and out. And things start to deteriorate. All you got the rest of the game was a field goal. Silly turnovers, silly penalties. There's no run protection. There's no run game. The running game for the Cajuns is non-existent. James, you ready for this statistic? 17 carries Saturday night. They resulted in two or less yards. 17 for two yards or less against Monroe. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Mike's calling in. Mike, what's up? Okay, uh, I was in Monroe Saturday night, and you make some good points about their issues, the quarterback, running game, etc. But bottom line is they gave the game away with the two bad snaps. They gave three points away on a bad snap that cost an easy field goal and actually could have had a touchdown, you know, when the uh, holder rolled out and missed an open receiver in the end zone. And then the bad snap, I know the punter says it was his fault, but I was there. I think he's just protecting his teammate. It was a bad snap regardless of where he lined up. And those two plays were 10 points, and that's the game. No matter what, everything else you can take him down to those two plays. And I don't want to be too hard on those young men. I actually, I said a prayer for them when I went to church yesterday because they feel worse than we did. But not that any fans can do. But, you know, you know, they gave that game away on those two plays, and that's the bottom line. Okay. Uh, your other point about the, the running game, that's going to be an issue all year long. Uh, the, the quarterback uh, duo, uh, uh, I agree that it, they should have just stayed with Chandler because he was hot. I believe in the hot hand. I play basketball. When you got a hot hand, you beat it until it gets cold. Regardless of the game plan, what has to change. So I agree with all that. The running game is because the offensive line has major issues. I don't know if that can get better. Without, it might get slightly better. They need to change the offense, knowing their offensive line is a weakness, and, and account for it. 
So those are my comments, and you can respond as you like. I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate the call, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. He hit, he hit the nail on the head. I was going to get to the to the two bad snaps a little later on in the program, but yeah, I mean, looking at the the rest of the schedule, the Cajuns have eight games left. I can't definitively say that they'll win any of them. I can't look at a game and go, "That's a win." I mean, Texas State seems like one that you could, but I mean, they're so wishy washy. You never know. But every other game down the schedule, I just I, I can't say that the Cajuns definitively, without a doubt, they get a win. I just can't. We'll take a timeout right here. And when we return, we'll do Tiger Talk with the advocates Wilson Alexander right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander about to make this vent session Monday a little bit better. Wilson, what's going on, bud? Oh, not much. How you doing? Uh, you know, if the Saints would have played better yesterday, I'd probably be doing a little bit better. <laughs> I can understand that. Hey, I guess everybody can at least maybe hang on to the fact that LSU won. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's get to that. You know, just a dominant performance overall by the Tigers. I mean, over 600 yards of offense. You only allowed them 88 yards of offense. I mean, just kind of talk about the game as a whole. Yeah, this was probably LSU's most convincing and decisive game of the season. You have to, of course, consider the opponent. New Mexico had just nothing on offense, and and so, but it was still impressive. I mean, in any day modern college football to hold a team to 88 yards of total offense, uh, two first downs, punted on every single possession except for one right at the end of the first half. Um, 2.7 yards of play. I mean, this was a dominant defensive effort. It was what else you wanted to get out of this game, and it did. And offensively, you saw some signs of progress that were really needed before LSU gets into the SEC gauntlet starting this weekend against Auburn. More tempo. Jaden Daniels looked comfortable in the pocket as a passer, um, running when he needed to, but waiting for receivers to, and routes to develop. Helped that he had a lot, you know, good bit of time back there. But you know, this was LSU's probably most complete game of the season. And it came right before a difficult stretch uh, starting, like I said, against Auburn. You touched on Jaden Daniels looking more confident and, and comfortable in, in the pocket. I mean, he he just seems to get better and better as the season progresses. He does. He was already, you know, played well in the season opener uh, in the midst of a really messy game. I mean, he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, um, but he kind of kept the offense afloat for a while. And, and let a comeback, you know, let, and that 99-yard drive was really impressive at the end against Florida State, um, and you started to see, okay, this guy's going to fight, he's got some skills that you can work with, and he's probably your, you know, your best bet to win games, and he continued to show that against Southern, and then like, really at the end against New Mexico, excuse me, against Mississippi State in that second-half comeback, and then, you know, he, he, they're starting, they're, the coaches are developing him, you know, as a passer to kind of blend that with his dynamic rushing ability and if it can get to the point where you kind of saw this against new mexico but get to the point where that's showing up against you know top sec teams where he's making the throws that he needs to make 
like that 51-yarder down the field to Chris Hilton and running when you know he's gone through his progressions, no one's open, then this can be a, a really effective quarterback in this league. And not just effective, but you know, win LSU a lot of games if he's able to continue to develop. Jack Besh got some playing time this this weekend in in relief of Kayshawn Booty, and you know you you look at it six catches for forty three yards. You, we've always known that Jack Besh was was going to be a, a factor for, for LSU, but he he comes off to to me as a guy that you just got to find a way to put him in the offense. Do you see going forward that he you know carves out a role in this offense? Yeah, he should. I mean, he's got, you know, he's so physical um, and, and hard to bring down. I mean, Brian Kelly described him as a punt returner today as fearless, and he's certainly that. Uh, you know, Jack, is, it was. we saw how effective he could be as a freshman last year leading the team in receptions. Um, I mean, ended up as, I think, the leading receiver with, you know, with Kayshawn going down and um, was just a great outlet for, you know, LSU last season. And it was tough to, you know, right at the start of the year in preseason camp, he was banged up, he had a stress fracture, and, and I think that affected his usage in the first game. But then it was like for the next two games after that, okay, where's Jack Besh? And they made a, you know, a real effort to get him on the field a lot more against New Mexico, uh, especially with Kayshawn Booty out uh, for that game. And, you know, he'll, I think LSU's going to have to be intentional in its rotation and, and make sure that nobody gets lost in that. But Jack needs to be a piece of that, and he'll continue to be the punt returner um, because he brings in a dynamic element to that spot that LSU hasn't had um, in a couple of years. You know, looking at, we talked about the defense, 88 yards, just only two first downs, averaged 2.7 yards a play, did the Lobos. I mean, the, the defense as a whole, I mean, I, I can't point out a player that, that had a poor performance. Nobody did. No, they were all great. I mean, Side to side, some people who probably just deserve even more recognition. Uh, guys really stood on film anyway. Harold Perkins, the freshman linebacker, continues to make plays. LSU is finding ways to get him involved, even though he is still young and learning the playbook, um, giving him small bits of it so that he can just use his speed and athleticism and go run sideline to sideline and make plays. And you're, continue, you're seeing somebody really uh, just start to become a breakout and impact player early in his career. And then Greg Brooks Jr., I think, as well, safety, for, you know, the transfer safety from Arkansas. LSU was thin at safety in this game without Jay Ward, without Major Burns, without Joe Fouché. And while Jark Bernard Converse did a good job uh, sliding back there from corner, you know, Greg was all over the field. Even, didn't even quite show up in the stat line how well he played. But really top to bottom, the defense was, was great for the second week in a row. Chatman Wilson-Alexander of The Advocate here for Tiger Talk. Joe Fusha comes back into the fold now after serving his four-game academic suspension. You know what, what element does he add to this defense to make it even better? Well, he's got a lot of experience. He started for a few years at safety at Arkansas, and he was someone who you know, was clearly LSU you know, wanted to bring him in, guys like him and Greg Brooks, and uh, you know these transfers who had been starting for a few years. Um, to add experience into the roster, and, and he was one of those guys. And, you know, he didn't start – you know, we kind of saw him fall behind Major Burns in preseason camp, and part of that was because of his four-game suspension. There was an issue with his credits transferring over from Arkansas. and But he was just, you know, dominating on scout team, Brian Kelly said today, and making you know them actually a lot better on the offense because you had a guy like him on the scout team. And so he's got that experience to be able to step back in right away. And it's really important now because Major Burns is going to miss three to six weeks with an upper neck injury – to be able to fill his spot with Joe, somebody who has his experience. Hopefully, LSU doesn't seem to see a drop-off 
in that spot because of that, and that should help be able to maintain what they're doing in the secondary. Kayshawn Booty comes back this week after uh, his girlfriend had their first child. You know, he he's struggled a little bit this season in large part due to, you know, defenses really, you know, double teaming him, not letting him really get open. Ten catches, 93 yards so far on the season. Auburn doesn't have a great secondary, so th- this seems like a good opportunity for, for Kayshawn to step out and have a big game. Yeah, you know, LSU's been kind of waiting for that. It's been trying to scheme him open at different times, but like you said, he's getting double. He's had coverage over the top. He also, on his part, needs to continue to try to play better. I mean, you know, hasn't necessarily looked explosive and maybe a little bit absent-minded at times, but and it's all just sort of a little bit a head-scratcher. Um, you know, the passing offense has not been necessarily, while Jaden has been keeping it afloat and keeping it done enough to win you know, the Mississippi State game and almost win the Florida State game, um, it hasn't really been firing on all cylinders until really this is now against New Mexico. Um, you know, Kayshawn, this is a receiver room that is deep, and they're going to spread the ball around. I mean, you're usually seeing nine, ten guys catch passes in these games. That's probably going to continue to be the case. But when the ball comes to Kayshawn, you know, they, he needs to do something with it. Um, and LSU hopes that that starts against Auburn. What's the latest, you know, injury-wise, uh, you know, especially on Armani Goodwin? Yeah, he's day-to-day with a hamstring injury. You saw him uh, go down after catching a pass out of the backfield, try to make a move and, and sort of fall down immediately and, and grab at the back of his leg. Brian Kelly described him as day-to-day. Uh, that's the extent of what we know right now on Armani's status. Um, he's dealt with some hamstrings uh, you know, his freshman year um, and some other injuries and stuff like that. And so um, probably you know, we'll know more later in the week about his status. And then Jay Ward w- w- was another player – that that a lot of people were looking at, you know, that Brian Kelly said he should return to practice tomorrow. Uh, d- does that mean more than likely we see him in uniform on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. It was he was expected to play against New Mexico, and he was dressed out, but he didn't have his helmet on, and he never actually went in the game. It just wasn't necessary for LSU to push him. You know, he got kind of banged up. Uh, looks like something maybe happened with his leg um, at the end of the New Mexico, excuse me, the Mississippi State game. And so there wasn't any reason to push him against Mexico. Else, you had that game wrapped up pretty early, and you could tell defensively they were playing really well. New Mexico was not going to be able to move the ball, and so because the plan was working. There was no need reason to bring him in. Like you said, he'll be practicing. He's expected to practice on Tuesday. We'll see how much he can do, um, but he should be good to go for the Auburn game uh, unless something changes throughout the week. And then Tennessee and LSU was announced that that game on the 8th will be an 11 a.m. kick. Uh, the CBS decided to put Auburn and Georgia in that 2.30 spot before the A&M-Alabama night game. You know, just I, I know that LSU didn't have much say in this, but it just seems like a weird matchup to be at 11 a.m. It's a kind of a shame. I mean, that was a game that I had circled on my calendar just personally as the one that, oh, man, that's going to be like, a classic day on campus of tailgating, a great college football atmosphere. If it's not a night game, then, you know, maybe 2.30 on CBS kind of thing. And, you know, and a, a sort of feeling like, okay, Tiger Stadium would really be alive that day for the first time in a while because 2020, you know, pandemic year, 2021, the, se- the team wasn't good and the season, uh, you know, either we still sort of had the shroud of, of, of COVID uh, over those games for a long time. And, it felt like, okay, that's going to be, you know, really great. And to have it at 11 a.m., hey, 
Maybe LSU fans still show up and show out and create really a raucous atmosphere early in the day. Um, but it, it seemed like a bit of a missed opportunity, um, especially because Tennessee is going to come in as a ranked team. First time these teams are playing since 2011. And instead, they, you know, they've CBS picked the Georgia Auburn game for that 230 spot instead. And, and because it's doing the day night double header, uh, ESPN doesn't get a, a night game on its, you know, main channel. And then so it picked up the Tennessee LSU game. And the only spot for that was 11 a.m. But it's uh, unfortunate that LSU doesn't get at least an afternoon kick, if not a night kick, for what should be a really high-quality game. Yeah, I mean, the fans are still going to show up because it's going to be such a big game. But like you said, you know, the the Georgia and Auburn game being at 2.30 seems a little off to me because Georgia's just going to demolish Auburn. You would think so. I mean, I guess, you know, you play the games to find out what happens, but Auburn does not look good. I mean, this is probably the most winnable game on LSU schedule uh, the rest of the way, at least in, within the conference, I should say. Um, you know, this weekend at Auburn, and they're up, up to like a nine-point favorite at certain sports books. And um, Auburn might be firing Coach Brian Harson soon. I mean, who knows? We'll see. Right. Uh, it, just, it does not look like a very good team. And so, yeah, for them to pick the Georgia-Auburn game when, like you said, Georgia should go out there and win by – I don't know, three, four touchdowns. It right. was a little bit odd to not pick that LSU game instead. And then lastly, you also heard from Matt McMahon and Kim Mulkey today. Just give me your early thoughts on on basketball at LSU. Oh, gosh. Uh, you crashed me off guard there. I was not at those press conferences, actually. Oh, um, well, so I probably would not be able to give you the best answer. Uh, looks on football right now, but I mean, yeah, you know, no. they're starting up preseason practice here. So that's about all I got, unfortunately. All good, all good. Wilson Alexander joining us for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you every week, and uh, we'll do it again next Monday, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using promo code KLWB. You can combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, and you get paid your winnings fast all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today with promo code KLWB for your no-sweat first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-877-770-STOP. couple minutes left before we end this first hour of crunch time. Taking a look at some NFL news away from our local teams. One of the big news that popped up this morning was there will be no more Pro Bowl. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? I love it. Um, the Pro Bowl has been trash for years. I feel, I feel like the last decent one was like, 2013 and, and that and might even be that, a stretch yeah, i'm about to say that might be generous um and look the best part of the whole week is the skills competitions we love the skills competitions we love the dodgeball right we love like the wide receiver quarterback th- so the catching fact the fact that that's all it's going to be two things number one 
the players, even the guys that are playing in the Super Bowl, will participate because they can't get hurt. And then secondly, you know what else it's going to do? Ratings are going to skyrocket. Skyrocket. I remember seeing that there's going to be a flag football game. Yeah. You see, people are going to love that. You're going to see grown men playing flag football, acting like idiots, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Great move by the NFL. I don't agree with many moves that Roger Goodell makes. Great move by the NFL. This is one of the few things that we actually really like. Looking at a couple of other things in the news of the NFL, Miles Garrett, he is slightly injured. They said it's not a huge deal, but he did get into a car wreck earlier today, so prayers out to him. Joey Bosa's week-to-week. Trent Williams, that's going to be a tough loss for the next month, month, month and a half, because he got hurt in Sunday Night Football. He's got a high ankle sprain. And then Rashawn Slater, the tackle for the Chargers, he is being reported as out for the year. So this might affect how Jay Herb does the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, that that's not a that's not a great great news for for that. Um especially the Joey Bosa news. Uh that's you know, that's the last thing the Chargers needed. Um but no, going back to the Miles Garrett thing, they said his Porsche flipped several times before coming to a wreck, before coming to a rest. Um, so, yeah, he and the passengers that were in the car were, were transferred to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. But uh, I don't see Miles Garrett suiting up and playing anytime soon. No, it's going to be the same thing with like Brian Robinson, where you're going to have to keep him. Oh, you're you're going to have to keep him out for the next few weeks and wait until he he's back and fully recovered. I, I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow you see him go on IR and he's out at least three weeks. Yeah, I could. Well, for IR, it's at least four weeks, I believe. Oh, is it four weeks? I thought it was three. I believe they made the slight adjustment be, because it's like if you get because I remember they were saying, and this is going to be quick, but that. If you were going on IR before week one, you wouldn't be able to come back till at least week four. Hmm. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to vent a lot more. Get in on the hotline, 706-0111. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Number two. 502 on your Monday. Met Miguez, James Mesh. Quickly now, we go to the hotline. Uh, a guy that's been waiting for a long time. Mr. Jamie Green. Jamie, what's up? Hey, Mr. Miguez. I'm I'm not gonna ask how you're doing because I know and look, man. I'm I feel for you. I just wanna I wanna point just a couple of things out for you if you'll let me. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Number one, the Saints. They're only one game out of first place. So as bad <laughs> as one and two looks, they are still only one game out of first place in the West. And let's face it, none of the other teams really look any good, including my Buccaneers. So, you got that going for you, and I think that uh, I think that that team can be fixed. Honestly, if you let Jameis recover, 
you get rid of Carmichael and get somebody who's actually good at their job. And I'm, I don't know, the jury's still out for me on, on Dennis Allen. I didn't think he was a good hire to begin with, but hey, you know, give the guy a chance. Um, but on the bright side, at least you're not a tech fan. That's very true. <laughs> That's very so, uh, true. But just keep your head up, man. Saints are only a game out of first place in the West. It's a long season, and I know that's cliche to sound to say, and it feels like the sky's falling. But you know, uh, the Saints are going to be okay because honestly, the only competition in that division is my Bucks, and I don't expect us to do any better. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm more confident in any team that's got Tom Brady than than what we've got. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's fair. I've never been a huge Tom Brady fan, though. I mean, he's my quarterback and all, but I don't know. I've always thought of him as kind of a crybaby and oh, everything he, else. Oh, oh, he is that. <laughs> he is that. But, you know, on the bright side, he didn't break any tablets this weekend. No, you, you saved that for the Bills' offensive coordinator. <laughs> Uh, that was that was an ugly game too. Look, man, I hope y'all have a great week, and uh, we'll catch y'all later. I'll, I'll be listening in. Appreciate you, Jamie. So yeah, you know, you, you look at it, and obviously, there's still 14 games left to play, and you know, there there's still, you know, who knows? Maybe on the long flight to London last night, the Saints. Figured it out. We don't know yet. We'll see on Sunday at 8.30 in the morning when they they play the Vikings. But again, you know, we talked about it earlier. The problem that I have is that you started the season with each of your division opponents, and now you're one and two and behind the eight ball. Because, yeah, you're, you're one game out of first place. So far, he's right. The Bucks are two and one. Everybody else is one and two. However, Saints are sitting in third because Carolina has the tiebreaker. And obviously, it's way too early to be looking at tiebreakers and and, and crap like that. I, I get that. But a perfect, a perfect depiction uh, uh, of how I feel comes from our guy Andrew Juice. He posted on Twitter, you know, it, it's a shot from the game yesterday, and we're t- we talked earlier about how Jameis struggles to hit checkdowns. Alvin Kamara is, Jameis is in the shotgun, dropped back at the 20-yard line. Alvin Kamara is wide open at the 10. Easy check down on a third and three. It gets you the first down, and you're in the red zone. And what did Jameis do? Throw it to the end zone for an incompletion. Will Lutz comes out and misses the field goal. Hit your check downs. That is why you have a check down. Your check down guy is your, oh, crap. Got to get three yards here. 
not let me take a shot at the end zone. It, it, it bugged. Why would you run a check down route if you're never going to hit it? Where's the screen game been? Where's the screen game been? Ingram and Kamara are two of the best screen backs in the entire NFL. I don't think we've run a single screen play. I know we tried to once or twice yesterday. Yeah, there were only a couple, but there there weren't many, and they weren't successful. But you're you're not you're getting away from the screen game. And here's the other thing. And, we'll, and, and Darren, I, I know you're waiting on the hotline. I'm gonna get to you in just a second, but I really am. Where the hell is Taysom Hill? Where is he? I don't want him playing quarterback, but he's got to have a role in the offense. You either got to get him to the ball, get him the ball like with a pass, or just let him do the the regular Taysom Hill package. I mean, Jesus Christ, Traquan Smith had 100 yards receiving yesterday. Traquan Smith! I was calling that guy the Easter Bunny because where the hell has he been? You weren't even sure that he was real. (laughs) I mean, it's... Darren, what's up, bud? <laughs> what's happening, man? What you got? Oh man, I know it, hey, it's not it's not time to hit the panic button yet, bro. Oh, I know because, it's not. I know it's not, and I know I'm sounding so much like Kevin Foot. It's like yours, but, uh, his son. <laughs> it, it's a 17 game season. They just added an extra game, so it's way much easier to make the playoffs. So, how many games do you think the Saints have to win to make the playoffs? Oh God, they got to win ten. I was gonna say at least eight, to, at least eight more. You got to win ten. So if they go, so if they go on a stretch where they win, just say five games in a row, that's seven games. They could afford to lose two or three games here and there, you know. So we didn't see teams win nine games and make the playoffs. And with this new format, you can even win, go, I say, win eight games and make the playoffs. Because we, we, we've seen teams fighting last year trying to win eight games and make the playoffs. So what I'm saying is it's, it's too early to panic and get nervous because it, it seems it's just one and two. You're right. But, you Darren, let me, let me ask you this. From what you've seen out of the Saints, especially on the offensive side of the football, through three games, what's your confidence level they can make the playoffs? Fifty fifty. I'm still fifty fifty with that because, like I said, most of the problems for me is just the offensive line. I still think they have the receivers to do it. Before the season started, I said they needed another running back, and I still think they have the running backs to do it. But the main problem to me is the offensive line. The offensive line needs to get fixed, and we all know Jameis has the back problems, but I, I don't think Jameis is the problem. I think the, the the main problem is the offensive line. Now, if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they're going very far. But I'm saying it's too early to panic and say that this team is bad because it, 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 all the problems is fixable, you know. But it, the holes is all in the offensive line. I think I don't think Pete. We know for years he's the problem, you know. I think Center is a problem. Uh, Ruiz has been a problem. Right, you, you, you know, they needed to do something at tackle. They drafted the guy, the guy that they drafted. I think he, I don't think he was the answer, you know. 
So they, they knew going into the season that offensive line was going to be a problem. So I, I don't know what to say about that, but I still think they have a team that can make the playoff. We knew that from last year. But what needs to be addressed is running back and offensive line. Uh, I hope you're right. I really and truly do. I think you still need to see stuff out of Penning because he hasn't been on the field yet. It's just been. And the, and it, it, is he coming back this year or is he going for the whole year? They never ruled him out for the full year, as far as I've seen. No, he's he's supposed to come back at some point. It's just they've had James Hurst as the the left tackle when really his best job is being in there every once in a while as that extra quote unquote tight end, but he's just there to block to give extra protection for the quarterback. So, so being that they lost a guy that they drafted who they was expecting in for the whole season, I mean that that throws a wrinkle into the game plans too. So yep. offensive line they they already knew it was going to be a problem. And then being that they drafted a guy who they was expecting to be there, that adds an even bigger problem to what they already knew was going to be a problem. Yeah, and it wasn't even it wasn't even the fact that it was early on in like training camp or the first week of preseason. No, it happened against the Chargers on the first drive. So it was like you got twelve days, like twelve days, maybe less, to figure out what you're going to do now and just have James Hurst hopefully be that guy until Penning's back. So, and being that they never ruled him out for the season, that's hoping that he's coming back. So, they're not looking for a guy. They're hoping that the guy that they're drafted and practiced with the whole off season is coming back. So that that's that's a hole right there. That that's one of your holes right there. You know. So, yep. That that that's part of your problem. No question. No question. All right, Darren. Appreciate you. All right. Have a good one. And again, I I get it. We're overreacting. It's three games into a 17 game season, and, you know, the Saints might go 12 and 2 down the back stretch. We don't know. The likelihood of that happening is none. The the concern is, though, is that I'm a type of guy where I'm going to take the three games that we've seen. And look at the next 14 and say, how confident am I that we can win enough games to make the playoffs? And I'm not. I'm not confident. Same thing in the Cajuns. Two and two. Look at the four games they've played. And then look at the next eight. Confident they can make a bowl game? Confident they can go play for a conference championship? No, I'm not. Now, if the Cajuns beat South Alabama on Saturday... I'll feel a lot better. But I am not confident in either the Saints or the Cajuns' ability to find the postseason. I've always been that half-full guy. I've always been more of the optimistic. And it's like, look, there there could be three bad quarters like like we had seen pretty much with the Falcons game. But seeing that or yesterday. What, you, what you can do, yeah, and that's all, that was almost just half a quarter. You see what you can do and looking at the potential of what they can do and what they can be and how the offense can flow. It's just Key Carmichael. It was the same thing with Sean Payton, but at least Sean knows how to adjust. Pete Carmichael has not gotten to that point where he knows how to adjust. I don't know if he'll ever get to that point, but here's the thing. They're so good at scripting the first 15 plays. 
That's why you've seen the first drive look good to really good with the potential of being a great one. It's just at the end, either an unfortunate slight misthrow by Jameis or or a penalty by Trotman or a chop block when it really wasn't a chop block. It's just drive killers at the end that have killed it. And then the rest of the way, until you get to the fourth quarter, they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. You saw the spark that you had seen with Taysom in the week one. They had included that in the game plan against the Bucks, and they didn't do it since. Yeah. They tried it. They tried it one time in like the second quarter against the Bucks, and it got stuffed for like minus three yards, and they never went back to it. It's been a whole game and a half, and they haven't tried Taysom Hill. I remember last week, whenever we were going into the post game press conference, or a- after we had gotten done with Dennis Allen, we were going to the see the players in the locker room. Taysom Hill was one of those guys that was already walking out, and I could see on his face, he was pissed. A lot of players were pissed, obviously, because they had lost, but I don't know. I I kind of got that aura, that feeling with him like walking near nearby, me nearby. It was like, I feel like he knows, and a lot of fans know, that you need to get him the ball more. Yep. Not, not 20 touches, but like have him be that spark plug that can get you going give you that life that you need yeah and they just don't do it i i just you know and here's the thing with the vikings i feel like the saints and the vikings have they're undefeated from what i've seen when they both go to london so one of them is gonna pretty much come out of this unless there's a weird tie which there's one of those every once in a while. Please God, no. I I hate the I hate ties. I hate the fact that you can tie. That's what I'm saying. I I hate that there's a tie in football. But I get it. You don't want to have to play seven overtimes like how you saw with LSU and Texas A&M. But with the game, it kind of feels like if you watch a lot of teams, whenever they make a crazy comeback late, like how the Vikings did against the Lions yesterday, the next week. It's kind of like they used. It's almost like paying the piper, where you like you put all the points that you needed into this week to get the win and get a crazy comeback, but then the next week you kind of fall flat. And I feel like one of these two teams they're gonna fall really flat because of the traveling. And it'll be the Saints. There's a good chance I'm, it could I'm be. being I'm being negative, but I, I I get what you're saying. You know, one of these one of the teams are gonna come out flat. And it and you and it's not just a Saints thing; it's an NFL wide thing. Where, or even just in any sport in general, where you have a crazy comeback, a lot of the times, I don't have specific numbers on me, but when you when you think about it, a lot of crazy comebacks, they end up, the team ends up losing the next week, and they just have yeah. a really disappointing performance. Yeah, the, the, there's and there's no question that you could see something very similar to that this Sunday. Um, in London, I think it's a good thing that the Saints got there early. You know, you're going to get acclimated to the time change. You're going to get acclimated to the weather because it's it's cold in London, like the 40s. Yeah, but you're also in a soccer stadium. I mean, I understand you're in a dome, but still, <laughs> I mean, it's cold. Let's go to the hotline, Craig. What's up? Hello. 
No, okay. Um, but look, at the end of the day, I, I understand that there's still 14 games left to play and anything can happen. Same thing with the Cajuns. There's eight games left and anything can happen. But if you're LSU, you're 3-1, and one, about to walk into the heat of the SEC schedule, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. And don't even get me started on the Houston Astros. People are mad. Oh, they lost two to the Orioles. The Orioles are pretty good this year. And besides, you want them, you want them on a winning streak right now heading into the postseason? It's good they're losing a couple games. The game outline. So, I mean, it's one of those things. It's all good, man. Yeah, I'll let them know. Where the the, the Astros, I mean, it, they're one on they're one on one and fifty three. It's a good thing that they're losing a couple. You know, they're they're not going to get too close, um, too acclimated w- w- with winning as as you head into the postseason. I don't remember seeing that on the injury report, but Taysom Hill was inactive. Yeah, that was that had to have been a last minute thing. Yeah, because I don't remember seeing that on the final report, but we we do have our guy back. We do have Craig. Um, all right, Craig, what's up? Frank. Frank, what's going on, man? Oh, not a lot. How you all? Uh been better. Yeah, I hear you, I do. If you're a Cajuns fan and a Saints fan, you're getting double F today. So uh look, the Saints point blank Call a spade a spade. Uh, these guys have no identity on offense. These guys barely have an identity on defense. Uh, you got Pete Warner. You got uh, Davis. You don't blitz enough because that was apparent. Your defense worked well, but they, your front four didn't get any push. And you were facing probably the worst quarterback in the NFL. Did you see the throws in the first quarter? I, I wouldn't need to blitz either. But that's when you blitz. Um, I coach defense for years. If this dude's already rattled, I'm going to make him even more nervous. Uh, your front four, uh, Cam Jordan, I'm not impressed. Tuttle, not impressed. Uh, all these guys that are getting accolades and big money, man, y'all got to start showing me something. Uh, Dennis Allen, you got to start mixing it up. Uh, as far as for the missed tackles on the touchdown run, that was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, he just... You, you can't let him run that far on a wide receiver screen. That that can't happen. Uh, if Tyron Matthew is going to get that many accolades for coming to New Orleans and bolstering his defense, then damn it, show me something. He, he completely whiffed, you know, like a, like a firecracker that doesn't work on the 4th of July. I mean, that was a puff puff. Uh, as far as for the play calling, uh, you were right. You hit it spot on, which is why I called. This team was built around screen passes. That's the one play that took the Saints to the Super Bowl because they screened everybody to death. And if you run a screen uh, screen pass properly, even if you know it's coming, you can't stop stop it. That's why Pierre Thomas was the king of the screen pass. Yep. Yeah, you know, the the screen game is just something that has disappeared since Drew retired, and, and I really just don't understand why. Well, well, think about it, okay? When is Dennis Allen going to figure out that maybe Jameis Winston is not your guy? Uh, your style of play calling does not suit Jameis Winston's skills. Uh, 
Um, Andy Dalton's waiting in the wings, and I, and I hate to say that because I don't want to be a naysayer, but if anybody has heard me on this program for the last seven years, they know I'm not a Jameis Winston fan. I, I think he's a lollipop in the mouth. Man, when I'm good, I'm good, but when I'm bad, don't talk to me, as was proved during the game yesterday. Um, I think you need to find a, a, a new direction. I know it's only three games, and I get it, I got it, I'm good. But you lost to the worst team in your division. That Carolina's the worst team. Look at their quarterback. Their quarterback play should tell you everything about their team because a team will go as far as the quarterback will take them. That dude was missing every ball. Yep. I mean, he was – every ball was just, oh, my goodness. But even my wife, who doesn't follow football, was asking me, well, who in the heck is he throwing to? Yeah, yeah, I've said I've said that one too many times so far this season, Frank. And okay, okay, they they use Chris Olave. Okay, if you want to use Chris Olave, set your offense up for an offensive passing blocking scheme, right? But if you're going to do a running scheme, which I think they should, because that's what they're built for, screen them to death. Screen everybody to death, even if you know it's coming. Screen them to death. Because when the Saints uh, went on happy trails, man, that was screen pass. Pierre Thomas was the king. And even when the defenses knew it was coming, it was still in their face, and they couldn't stop it. Yep. I I mean, I agree. The the, the screen Uh, game has to come back for the Saints to be successful. Well, it has to. I mean, you got these big boulders on your offensive line. Don't just let them sit there. Get them to move their feet, get them to shuffle, get them to block downfield, and actually get Jameis Winston some confidence. Because when he, you've seen it. If he misses two, three throws in a row, that's it. He's a baby on the sideline. You don't want to look at the clipboard. You don't want to look at nothing. You don't want to look at anything he did wrong. But start screen passing everything. Throw three or four of them in there because you got Alva Kamara who's like a, a, a string of boiled spaghetti. He can slide through anything. We, we saw that. Then let him do his job. That's what he's paid for. Right. Okay. These, these offensive linemen. That's what they paid for. Now, as far as for the Tampa Bay game, I was gonna call in about that, but my emotions were way too high about Baby Brady. So I probably would have said something on the radio. I shouldn't have said. So that's why I didn't call. But as far as for this game, man, the, the, you, you can't ask any more of what your defense has done except Dennis Allen's play calling, and that's where I hold him accountable because you've got to start calling more blitzes. If the quarterback you're facing is already nervous, you make him more nervous. Yep, absolutely. Frank, appreciate the call, man. Not a problem. Too easy. we got to take a timeout. Time to face your worst nightmare with the game's 13th gate giveaway. We have VIP tickets for the legendary Haunted House attraction. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. All you got to do is register in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. When we come back, we'll hear from Brian Kelly, Michael Desermo, and a handful of others. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Attention, sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, back for its 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. Also, hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots with live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. Simply, you need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today, 1-800-79-BETUS. That's 1-800-79-BETUS, and they're going to walk you through setting up your account because nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BETUS. Join now and mention KLWB. And you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 32 after the hour, short segment here as we ran way long on the first segment of the 5 o'clock hour. Michael Desermo met with the media Saturday night after the Cajuns lost to the ULM Warhawks, and here was his message to the team. Well, I mean, when you have an opportunity, I mean, when you're in a situation like this, you, you, I mean, there's 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 a choice you got to make. You know, you either you either take the you either take the easy road and you just kind of say, well, it is what it is. It's in the season we wanted, and you splinter and you start pointing fingers and doing those things, or you know, you do what real teams do. And I, and I believe that this team, you know, you see it. You know, this team has the ability to go out there and really and be a good football team. Um, we just got to get out of our own way. And, you know, that's the challenge, right, is how do we respond to it? And this week, you know, it, it, it hurts the most, you know, whenever you get guys that do it the right way. And they came out this week and practiced hard and came out and played well in the beginning. And, you know, just we just lost our momentum and we really just kind of lost the edge we were playing with. And it got to where we were playing tight. And, you know, they're disappointed, certainly. I mean, you know, so am I. You know, it's uh, it's a game that you – you know, I mean, you, you give it away in the end, and those are those are just sickening. Switching over to McNeese now, getting their first win over the season over Mississippi College. Gary Goff said post game he's very proud of his team this week, and he was proud of them throughout the game as well. I can say this about the team: very proud of how they approached everything, um, and, and honestly, all three weeks up to this week. I mean, they, they've done a great job coming in early in the week and, and flipping the script and having a good attitude and working hard. And that's part of the process. Um, you know, sometimes the, the small victories that many don't see are, are, are very, very important when you're trying to, you know, develop something. And uh, I, I'm proud of them for that. I, I really am. I thought they had a great week of preparation. Um, they didn't panic in, in the game. And uh, there was a critical moment right there, you know, especially there in the uh, their third quarter. And um, the guys continued playing hard, one play at a time. So I'm very, very proud of the team for that. After the Saints lost to Carolina, Dennis Allen said that, or he was asked, how surprised has he been with the offensive struggles? I don't know if surprise would be the word. You know, you know, we we uh, 
we got a lot of new pieces and and um, and really didn't get a chance to work as much, you know, in training camp as we would have liked. Um, but that's not, you know, we get, we got a job to do. We got to go out there and we got to we got to play better. We got to perform better. Um, we got to coach them better. And so it starts with me. And 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 uh, look, we'll head over to London. We'll get ourselves ready and and uh, have a good week of work. Get ready to go play the uh, the Vikings. Dennis Allen also said that he is still confident in Jameis Winston. Yeah, look, I think everybody, when you get in these situations, is kind of looking for, uh, you know, a, a, a place to to, uh, to place blame. Um, you know, th- th- there's enough mistakes to go around that that uh, uh, you know I don't really want to go there. Um, you know, I feel confident with Jameis. Certainly, we all need to do better, um, and and that's what we're going to do. And lastly, looking at the LSU Tigers, Brian Kelly met with the media after the 38 to nothing domination of the New Mexico Lobos. And here is Brian Kelly's opening statement. You know, pleased, obviously, anytime you shut out an opponent, it's difficult to shut out anybody in, in, in football. I mean, college football is, is set up uh, for success on offense. So uh, really pleased with, uh, you know, we had four, three or four starters out on defense. Um, and we had to juggle the lineup. We had uh, Jarek playing safety, um, and uh, the guys really rallied, um, and uh, you know did a great job. Held them to under 100 yards. You guys know the stats. I don't have to recite them to you. Um, and uh, you know, offensively, other than uh, you know a missed field goal and you know an interesting penalty call on a touchdown. Uh, you know, uh, very efficient offensively, uh, throwing the football, running the football. So really good performance, something to build off of. Uh, you know, I told our guys one time's an accident, second time's a coincidence, third time is a habit. You know, they've won three in a row. They're building good habits. And, um, you know, we look to continue to build on that uh, going into, um, you know, SEC play over the next month. Before we take a timeout, uh, I found a tweet or just recently posted about an hour ago, from uh, Tiger TV. It's the LSU Manship School Network. Uh, it's a student-run media station. And it is a video from outside of Tiger Stadium. And it visibly shows LSU police arresting someone. And th- this is the story. According to eyewitnesses, the suspect tried to break into Tiger Stadium claimed he was the reason LSU won the 2019 National Championship and then threatened police officers. Solid. This is a (laughs) developing story. That's impressive. I didn't realize that he was the sole reason why LSU... Well, if that's the case, where have you been the last two years? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he's the reason... Did you go into hibernation the last two years? What happened? He's the reason LSU won their natty in 2019. Not Joe Burrow, not not Justin Jefferson, not Jamar Chase, not the good old line, not not that not, defense, not the defense. Nope, no, it was him, all all him, all him. Oh man. Anyways, the game clubhouse one hundred three seven thegamecom dot com or one hundred four one thegamecom can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, 
or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. You can only score these great prizes, however, by joining the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So why don't you go sign up today? Take a time out. When we return, I know we're not getting hit by Hurricane Ian. And James and I obviously send our, our prayers to the people of Florida. James and I are going to give you our best hurricane snack right after this right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, James, we're back on crunch time. 5.50... 43 excuse me on your on your monday all right james um hurricane season coming to an end obviously hurricane ian about to about to ravage florida uh prayers out to them saw tampa bay's evacuate the buccaneers are evacuating to miami tomorrow um so that's uh that's unfortunate but no um Let's play a quick game before we get back to venting because I just need a conversation that's going to make me happy. Give me, you know, Cat 1 Hurricane, not really going to cause major damage. Your family decides to stay home. What is the one thing you have to have? Ooh. If it's chips, I'd probably go bake barbecue lays. Or Cheetos, Cheeto Puffs specifically. Okay. If it's like candy, I know this is gonna. I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this, but I'm a I'm a big candy corn guy. Oh. My mom had bought me some some candy corn, but God, if like you're a candy corn connoisseur, that one's like a lot more sweet that she had bought. And I'm like. I like sweet, but not too much sweet, and that was one of those. All right, so if it's chips, if it's yeah, wavy, lays, oh, hickory barbecue, interesting. Okay, bro, game changer. If it's sweets, which nine times out of ten it is for me because I'm a I'm a sweets guy over over chips more times than not. Uh, you also just don't like spicy. Well, no. Chocolate covered pretzels. Yeah, yeah, you've had you've had those quite a few Chocolate times at your desk. Covered pretzels. You want to make me happy? Buy me chocolate covered pretzels. Not white chocolate, or or another candy. Uh, Skittles. Love Skittles. Mm. Love. Skittles. Could do without. Could I'm do like without. I'm like Marshawn Lynch. Like that that gives me extra energy. Yeah. No, no. I don't. I don't need. I don't need a shot, shot and a half, half a Hennessy to play a game for the Seahawks. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't need that. Just no, give me no, the no. Skittles. Um, but yeah, no. Chocolate covered pretzels. Way to go. No question about it. All right, got to get back to the Saints conversation because it's just, it's just there. It's daunting of a task. Um, can we go back to the screen game? Sure. So we were talking about it, and 
when you looked at the preseason, I don't know how many people actually watched it, but for me, since I'm covering the Saints, I watched it anyway. And I also like to see who I think could make it and like who's actually standing out during the games and not just being a practice or training camp guy. But the Saints, they didn't run the screen game too often in the preseason either. But when they did, it was a success. The lone touchdown against the Texans was a, was a running back screen. The screen against the Packers, where Caesar Ruiz just for some reason tackles your running back, uh, tackles Tony Jones, even though it's like, that's your guy. But whenever they ran it, it was successful. And one screen that I always go back to where I'm like, this place freaking genius. It's the double screen. They've run it before, but the one that was the most successful successful for the Saints was the double running back screen where you had one running back. I forget who it was. It was against the Bears 2013 at Chicago. One of the touchdowns was this screen where you had one running back to the right, run at halfback screen. Drew pump faked it to him. You had two offensive linemen and maybe a tight end go to the right side with the running back because, oh, look, it's a screen. You're getting the attention there. But then on the left side, you have a Pierre Thomas screen on the left side with the other three offensive linemen. You do the pump fake to the right. All the defense is going that way. And then you just, boop, right over the top, get it to Pierre and let him do his thing. I don't know why you wouldn't do that with Mark and Kamara. You could put Kamara on the far side of the field or or Mark, like just whichever way you want to do it because they're both good at catching the ball and both can do stuff in space. They're both really good at that. So that that could even be even better and be even more successful because it's like we got two screens and you could go to either one and it, it feel like it would be really successful. But the only thing is, is if you give Jameis too many options, I don't I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean that. That's he may, always, he may throw another fade ball to Chris Olave. That that's always the tricky thing, because um, you know I think that I think that's Jameis's biggest problem. He lacks the football IQ. But do a do a purposeful screen where it's here's a fake, and it's going to be a fake no matter what. And then you go to the opposite side because you dragged and, all the attention to that one side, and then you go to the other one. And let the running back go out in space. And for the love of all that is holy in this world, stop running Alvin Kamara between the tackles. Stop it. That is not his game. You want to run him through the tackles every once in a while? Go for it. It works out every now and again. That's fine. Go for it. Alvin Kamara is not a bell cow. You want to talk about how running backs have a short life expectancy in the NFL? That's how you get it. Keep running him like a bell cow. Watch how quickly he has to retire. Stop it. Stop it now. You want to you want to run a guy through the tackles? Put in Ingram. Put in Dwayne Washington. Put in Tony Jones Jr. Go sign another back. I don't give a damn. But stop running Kamara through the tackles 15 times a game. Also, really quickly, before we take our final timeout of the day, looking at LaVisca Chennault's 67-yard touchdown, I thought it was a screen when I first watched it, but watching it back, if that's a screen, that is the most out of the box weird screen because oh, it's weird. None of the none of the offensive linemen go out. One of the receivers just runs a drag, and the other one runs what looks to be a post, but he already looks back and was like, "Oh, Lavisca's already got it. Let me just block." So it's like 
If that's a screen, I have no idea what a screen is because that, to me, breaks all the screen rules. Right. Yep. Um, quick note before we get out. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, active tonight. He will make his NFL debut against the Cowboys tonight. I need I need a heroic effort by Saquon to beat Darren. <sighs> Take a timeout, <laughs> wrap up today's show after this. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrap it up here. On a vent session Monday of Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 556. Dan Orlovsky has been freed. Dan Orlovsky has been freed, uh, although I hate his guts. He can be the he can be the butt of every joke for all I care. Ridiculous take. Um, and then we got the butt punt. We the, missed those. The butt punt! And then we had the video that you made a part of our tweet to set up the show. Oh, offensive yeah, coordinator, Bills offensive coordinator. Dorsey just absolutely throwing a temper tantrum. Has a hissy fit at the end. Loved it. That was it so was, funny to it watch. Was so great. And everybody making the memes like when uh, when my fantasy team loses for the fifth week in a row. Or I, I saw one. It was like when my twenty nine leg parlay gets twenty eight out of twenty nine, and the last one loses on like a last second field goal or something like that. And dudes just slam in the tablet. It's great. Oh man. I want to thank our guest, Wilson Alexander, for joining us today. Thank you to each and every one of the callers. You made this event session Monday a little bit better. Uh, tomorrow, a Tuesday edition. You know what that means. We're going to the moon with Apollo HOU. We're going to talk about the Houston Astros as they embark on yet another chase for the World Series. Once again, Monday Night Football, Giants, Cowboys tonight, right here on the game. Pre-game at 7, kickoff at 7 30. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.